Right now, daily. daily podcast in which we discuss David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. This week, we are up to season seven, episode eight, aptly titled "Bad to Worse." <laughs> uh, how's it going, Mike? We haven't recorded one of these episodes in twenty-four hours. It's funny. I'm leaving the country. I have so much to do, and yet my time has been monopolized by mm-hmm. uh, this very lucrative podcast. I am excited, though, <laughs> Jenna. Uh, very nicely this morning told me that it's so nice to it's so nice that I get to spend so much time with my friend and the way she said it she was implying and she correctly implying that I only have the one and so (laughs) she's happy that I'm spending time with the friend the friend your (laughs) friend yeah yeah it's like that you know like the all of those coming of age novels about like 10 year olds and they have like one friend and they're like an outcast but like they're like running through the woods and solving mysteries. But we're just here talking, blathering on the internet. Uh, but I actually, before we get too far into it, I have been remiss in uh, giving a shout out to one of our show's friends, also blathering on the internet. But oh, what a segue! More... Keith. What a segue! Oh my, I'm so good at this. But uh, it, it, blathering in such a much more professional and interesting and uh, well-produced way. And that is, of course, friend of the show, Scott Moppin's new podcast, The Perfect Show. And it's uh, available anywhere you listen to podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, and all of that fun stuff. I have already left a review under, uh, accidentally, under one of my pseudonyms. So, Scott, can you guess which one it is? Uh, anyway, it's a, it's a great show about the little moments in his life that he considers perfect. And uh, he, he did one about a stretch of road, a little uh, short film that he watched, a, a jingle, some music. It's really fascinating. And he's, uh, it's a very, it's a very professionally produced show. It, it's a little bit like this American life uh, in little thoughtlets about very tiny little specific things. Um, but definitely uh, very entertaining, worth a listen. Uh, subscribe to The Perfect Show uh, by Scott Moppin, friend of the show. Uh, and if you are listening to this and you have just put out your own podcast, perfect or not, 
uh, let us know. We will be happy to announce it here on the Out of Practice podcast. Yeah, that's what we do. We're just going to plug other podcasts now. Yeah, well, and as as I've said many, many times, Scott, if you see no changes in your downloads, you have gotten the out of practice bump. I mean, rumor has it there might be some guests that might ruin his perfect podcast coming on. At some point, at some point. Uh, so that's going to be uh, the the most anticipated and exciting crossover since Gideon's Crossing. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm actually in the process of squirreling away lots of content to bring with me on the very long flight. So I will download, I can't wait to listen to as many pods, pods as you've put out, Scott. Looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. No, they're great. And they're bite-sized. Unlike ours, which, you know, it's like choking a... You know, have you ever seen like a python eat a, like a like a horse or a deer? Mm. That's mm-hmm. sort of what our podcast is. He's got nice little uh, amuse-bouche episodes. So, um, so that's exciting. But he learned uh, well, he learned what not to do. He learned well, we here on the internet are creating uh what not to do, including doing a marathon of podcasts all in one week. As we mentioned last episode, Mike is going out on a cruise to do Schmerzy Schmoys, and we are recording on Monday, Tuesday. Wednesday is four episodes of toys, then Friday, then Saturday. So four episodes of this nonsense within uh, less than a week. So look. we're gonna have to discuss Saturday. We're gonna have to discuss Saturday. We might have to do right. one one of those next week. But look. Well, I, look, you're the one who's got troubles. I have nothing. Nobody knows. And and since my friend is going uh, going to <laughs> Europe, it's gonna be very quiet here. Uh, That's I'll so sad. To, I'll take I pictures. Know. Can I take? Can I come back and do like a little slideshow? Of course. Uh, you know, clearly it's be we very, have no it's format be very or topical. consistency. <laughs> yeah, it could be whatever. Like, <laughs> like, oh, that doesn't fit the the format of our well tailored show. Maybe after all of the pitches for our next show, we should just be us talking for four hours and no one does. We don't even record it. I. <laughs> we really should. All right. Well, this is normally where we do cat content, but I forgot to send you uh, some amazing pictures and video of uh, Charlie's new favorite toy. He has a Halloween candy corn decorated tube. One of those, uh, you know, sort of expandable canvas tubes that he loves. So uh, this morning, the second you said it, look who showed up. Ah, what's up, ducks? So uh, next week. And by next week, I mean like tomorrow, tomorrow when we record this, <laughs> we will load up some of those pictures and do a proper hot cat content. Yes. I actually have a quick cat thing. My mom's okay. cats. My mom's cats. So she calls me over. Yes. I had to go. We we discussed last week. Last I. week. Yesterday. Yeah. About but the eight hours ago. I had to go hang out with my mom. Take her to the doctor. Blah, blah, blah. Which was supposed to be like, I told you it was a 15 minute wellness check. Keith, I sat yeah. in the car and waited for her for two hours. Oh, no. It ruined the day. Anyway, not the point of this story. The point of the story is her cats, whom are very lovely. Uh, my mom lives in a basement, so they're, like, catching. That sounds very, like, we don't take care of my mom. She lives in the, the apartment in the basement of my brother's house. And <laughs> once a week, you lower a bucket of, like, entrails and fish heads down, and she scarfs them up. She lives right. in my brother's basement, which is a very nice apartment. She has, it's very nice. Anyway, uh, please don't call anybody. <laughs> if you see reports, they're overblown. Uh, so her, she's got her cats. They have the run of the place. They are catching mice. They're living their lives because it's, you know, it is a basement of a home. 
So my mom's like, you gotta kill this spider. So she brings me over to this spider. Now Keith, I didn't grow up in the woods like you, so I'm not versed in my spiders, but this goddamn thing was big, okay? It looked like a miniature uh, uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex. No, um, Tarantula. I don't know why I said Tyrannosaurus Rex, but it's spider form. Anyway, I couldn't tell if it was, po- I didn't know if it was poisonous or not. So I didn't know if I just want to go stepping on it or doing, like, I didn't know what, what to do mm-hmm. if it was poisonous or not. And the reason why I thought it might be poisonous is because these cats were not touching it. They were like sniffing around it and they were, they would not, they, they would not approach yeah. the spider, which tells me that their instincts probably are better than mine. And they were like, this is not a spider to F with. It looked maybe like a barn spider, but they're not poisonous. So I don't know. It could no. be, it looked, it was brown. I was there, afraid it was a brown spider. Yeah, I mean, there there are brown recluses here, uh, but very few. You can, you can get that, you find a black widow, but most spiders, especially like the big brown ones, are probably just a deck spider. It's okay. It's harmless. It, it was, I didn't want to kill it, but I didn't know what else to do. She didn't have a vacuum cleaner. I didn't. couldn't really broom it. I was afraid. Uh, it, it, it did meet its end. I apologize to the universe, but it did not go without a fight. You know, a magazine and a cup. No man, I Always used a dictionary and paper towels and was smashing and it was it didn't it didn't let me. You know, it's interesting cuz last week we talked about this and uh we know I thought I would be better. I would be better after seeing that that episode and I'm not. I I went back to murdering spiders. Okay. Well, uh next Send your week, emails. It, it, next week I will try to convince you to rehome innocent spiders much like I should convince you to rehome your poor mother from the spider, vermin, and apparently dinosaur-infested basement. Keith, if people want to complain about my animal cruelty, <laughs> how could they do so? Well, you could email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram, the social medias, as the kids say, at Out of Practice Podcast. And while you're at it, uh, leave leave a memorial comment, uh, some sort of a sad you know, I was there when on Apple Podcasts uh, and leave us a rating and review. We will be happy to read it and welcome you to what's left of the jury decomposing there on that graphic. I have not updated. <laughs> it's Halloween. You know, try to, you know, make a zombie, right? It's dead. Make it come alive. It's alive like Jason who when he got electrocuted in, in uh, Friday the 13th part six. Topical. So uh, bring uh, bring Jason back. So uh, that's how you can do it. So I think at this point, while uh, we should go and visit a certain basement that Mike's mom isn't chained in uh, and talk about, uh, you know, what that vermin infested basement looked like 20 years ago in a segment we call This Day in the Basement. Of course, we are talking about December 1st. The year 2002, uh, we've gone through uh, Thanksgiving, beginning the holiday season. Uh, What was going on, Mike? December. So we were rolling juries uh, in what would be my final year of school. Uh, We'll Mm -hmm. graduate this summer, this June. Uh, Get get ready to revisit some stories that I already told when I skipped a year of my life. Uh, But we were doing my final jury, which was... Uh, I did the Shmuel song from the last five years uh, uh, for a guy named Jeffrey Dunn, a teacher of mine who every show he made me do a song for him, I ended up doing in my professional career because he was a very smart man. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, this was one of my favorites because he was like, well, most people, you know, you do a song, it's like maybe two, three minutes. He was like, here's an eight minute marathon yeah. that is uh, real difficult, both musically and uh, uh, acting wise. And he he challenged me and it was awesome. And it made it to final jury, which you would then get to go and perform in front of the faculty and you would get to use the band. So they'd, they'd get to rehearse with the whole thing and they, oh, it, was, it was cool. Uh, the cool, interesting tidbit of this story is 10 years later, almost 10 years later, uh, in uh, October, November, December of 2011, so just about 10 years later almost, I would do this production finally when I was 30, 31, and it would be the last book musical that anyone in my family has ever seen me do. And that was a decade ago. Really? Yeah, so last time my mom saw me do a show, was last time anybody in my family came to see because it, it was in New York. It was in Westchester. Uh, so, Keith, it turns out, ripped from a mini disc. Yes! I've got, it's an eight-minute song, so I just clipped together a little bit of the audio. It's not, wasn't the greatest of, whatever, we, we do this all the time. You know, you I'm know so we keep feeling about ourselves. So here's a Let little tidbit of, of the Schmuel song uh, from, from young, a young me. Final Jury. Page turn. Your time. I love a cello. I'm so impressed you had strings. They sound good too. Have I mentioned today how lucky I am to be in love with you? There yeah. you go. All right. That's great. You know, that's a that's a good it's a good part for you. It's a good show. It was. Yes, I I'm no longer of that age, but you can see a pretty good version of it if you've never seen this show on the YouTube, I think, or no, on the Netflix or the HBO Max or whatever. Uh Jeremy Jordan, who's a talent Oh, the, in our the film version. Yeah. Yeah, did a movie with Anna Kendrick and it's a good mm-hmm. it's a good approximation of what the material is. I mean, they sing the shit out of it. Um you so, could yeah. definitely still do this show. I'm 40 if, if years old. If we're still going to do Forever Plaid. Yeah, I'm 40 look, years old, buddy. 40-year-olds, you know, go through that too. Yeah, but I think they're like, bla- I think they are well-versed in the script that they are 25 years old. Just keep that just for men on the hair. It'd be great. Yeah. 
Uh-huh. Have I mentioned today that I'm impotent and I need some just for men? <laughs> I can't get my shmuel to move. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Keith, uh, I'm ruining it on the internet, but what we need to do is read and write uh, pistache lyrics for young roles played by 40-year-olds. I, I already have a... I wrote a sketch I never did anything with about uh, uh, being frustrated with the new concept of sexy Valjean. Because <laughs> when, I was a, when I was a kid, all of the Jean Valjeans in Les Mis looked like me, like a friendly bus driver. And about 10 years ago, they had to be super fuckable. And so they've got like these, you know, yeah. railroad abs. And that's all like, the shows. What the hell? What At happened one point, to the, the Schmerzy boys went from like short Italian guys to blonde hot guys. And you're like, yeah. okay, well, there we go. Just like that was that was my trump card all along. I was like, I can, you know what? I can still be old and fat because I can sing that part and they don't care. You can just be a tubby guy. And no, no, apparently. Valjean, the old man who is like the heart and soul of the show. And there's only about 20 other young fuckable dudes in that show. But Valjean has to be the most. Uh, uh, anyway. So, uh, yeah. So there it is. So you are moving me forward. So spoiler alert, if you have seen the picture on this day in the basement was a really fun experience that uh, my older brother and friend of the show, Sean, uh, set up for my family. So we were all up there for Thanksgiving and he bought tickets to a Flyers Montreal game, uh, NHL game up in Montreal, up in the Molson Center, which That's is... when you were a Flyers fan. I went when I was a Flyers fan. And uh, so we went up and we sat in the second row of the wow. Molson Center up on the glass uh, to watch the Flyers play up there, and they won an overtime, two to one. Justin Williams scored on a breakaway in overtime. It was so exciting. And uh, the thing that I remember most from it was during pregame warmups, the glass broke and shattered just a few panels away from us. And so I got up, and so I I grabbed a piece of the broken glass and kept it uh, from cool. the Molson Center. So it, it was safe. It, it, well, it, it it shatters into like safety glasses, like the pebbles, sort of a deal. Uh, so you know, safe-ish, ish. So you have a pebble of glass. Yeah, I have a pebble of glass. Um, but it was uh, it was such a cool experience, and that was uh, Sean of his own accord just bought us all the tickets and set it up, and it was part of this. Um, because we I grew up about an hour twenty minutes from Montreal, so we just took a there was like a group going we went in the bus, we went up there, they picked us up, went home. It was so much fun. I think that was only my third or fourth NHL game that I'd ever gone to. So that was uh, that was a blast. That picture is from that very game. I'm uh, sure that Sean would be moved that you've commemorated it with this stock photography photo with these with the stamp of the photographer still on it. Do you know how hard it is <laughs> to find a picture from a specific game in 2002, a regular season game like this was? This was in the era where nobody has any good pictures. Well, if you because, are Alamy, we apologize for you. Yes. I didn't we've at least credited your name. We have credited you, yes. Quite quite liberally. But when in that transition between film and digital, 
there was about five years there where we all switched to digital, but the pictures were garbage. Yeah. And uh, and so that part of our lives are just deleted because. Well, this we is around no that time where digital photography had started, but they were like 10 megapixels is all you'll ever need. The stunning resolution and clarity. And you're like, Ten. it was like yeah. 1.2. I mean, our my first digital camera had a floppy disk that you put in and you could take, you could like save 12 pictures on there. All of yeah, And it was terrible. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. We digress. It was a really fun experience. Cool. On, Very cool. Uh, November 30th, the day uh, or two before this show aired. Um, so that was a really cool experience. Thank you, Sean. Uh, looking back. Now let us look not forward, but out into the world of December 1st, the year 2002 in a segment we call it's time for the Out of Practice Podcasts This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. Okay, folks. So the number one song, guess what? We uh, we might have lost the clip, but we did not lose ourselves here Eminem continued. <laughs> we were continuing with the piano tutorial. So if you're playing home, playing at home, <laughs> yeah, I think you probably got it by now, right? Actually, you the, should check out this video. You should click on it because he's got one of those like virtualizers where every key he hits shoots out like a laser beam. It's really cool. <laughs> it's visually very, very interesting. Isn't it? It's just augmented. Yeah. Okay. Well, so. It's the beat for a rap song. It's not particularly musically interesting. Dude, it's fantastic, though. All right. Well, while we're losing ourselves in that segment, we could point out the top movie continued to be Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets in week three of Domination, took in $32 million. And uh, topical, as always, the Burlington Free Press, the headline was A Church Divided. So, yup. Yup. So, uh... The practice was literally not ripped from the headlines. The headlines were ripped from the practice. Wow. But that's uh, you want to know what else people wish desperately could be ripped from the podcast, but never will be. It's time. It's time, it's time. It's time for sports. The New York football Giants lost a heartbreaker to Steve McNair's Tennessee Titans 32-29 at Giants Stadium. Future Lions head coach Dan Campbell caught a one-yard touchdown for the Giants, and the Giants had a touchdown lead with 10 seconds remaining. But McNair hit Frank Wycheck with nine seconds to go and descended to overtime before Joe Nedney hit the game-winning field goal. Meanwhile, the Eagles beat the Rams 10-3 to improve their record to 9-3. Wow. Pretty amazing. <sighs> I remember that game. That game made me terribly sad. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, that was tough. I because I was in Vermont watching that game, and I my parents thought I was going to kill myself. That's back before the Giants had destroyed my heart, and now I feel nothing. Well, interesting. This is a time when this is is interesting. We say that so much, but I think this may actually be interesting because <laughs> it it's a weird is. psyche thing. It's mm-hmm. like Keith was a, a Flyers fan for a while, even though he like wasn't from Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So growing up, I might have mentioned this before, in fact. Growing up, I wasn't allowed to like the Eagles. My dad had lost some money on a Super Bowl back in the eight when I was born. And mm-hmm. so we rooted actively against the Eagles. So I was like a 49ers fan. And then I, I basically followed Joe Montana, Montana around in like those teams. But 
here, when I moved to New York finally, and I was a little homesick and my dad was gone and whatnot, I like was allowed to start rooting for the Eagles because it was the rivalry was so intense in New York and I could kind of be a, as Keith and I enjoy doing, I guess be, be a, a, just be a, a contrarian. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, uh, that's what started my hometown love for my boys. And, uh, it's, uh, it's stuck even though at least your team blows our team. I can say, you know, what we're rebuilding. We're rebuilding. Well, you know, the Eagles have been frustratingly mediocre yeah, when the giants now. have been satisfyingly terrible. So that I'm, I don't get frustrated anymore. Uh, I just sort of like, yep, that's what's happening. I just sort of, uh, yeah, it's tough. And I, I've always, every week uh, Jen's like, should I start D Jones? And I was like, well, um, you know, <laughs> sure, sure, honey. <laughs> D Jones. <laughs> wow. Uh, all right. Anyway, I speaking of my grumpy old this men. Week, speaking of grumpy old men, it is very appropriate that we do this. I'm a human being, god damn it! My life has value, and I'm not gonna take this anymore! It's time to talk about the damn episode! Yeah! Okay, yeah. folks, we are, of course, going to Dude. talk about... That's crazy, The man. Practice, Season 7, Episode 8. Thunderwares! <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Some rattling some things up there. Bad. <laughs> Someday we're going to have to do a bonus episode just, just for my mom of you doing every bumper. Sound! <laughs> do I have to make that face to hit that note these days? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, look, it's it's up there. It, it's up there. Uh Okay, uh, what are we doing? We're talking about The Practice. <laughs> Season 7, Episode 8, Bad to Worse. This was written, of course, by David E. Kelly. He's uh, he's here and directed by Jeanne Soir, a veteran director of The Practice, which leaves us with only one thing to do. A little thing called... What is that supposed to mean? What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? What? What does Mike think's gonna happen? Yeah, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? Hmm. I'm seeing a flag. I'm seeing a Black Widow spider. I'm seeing a dance party? That's so small. Um, okay. <laughs> so, guys... We're defending a patriot this week. Mm. Mm. Uh, yes, a, a, a patriot who doesn't want to pay her taxes, all right? Mm. Mm. But what kind of tax, Keith? An inheritance tax, because her husband is dead, and she is accused of killing him. She is accused of killing her husband and does not, and, and it's, 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 uh, it's hairy because she received a very large in, uh what's the word, uh, insurance payout when her husband died. Mm. And so people think, well, maybe she killed her husband, but we say no. And luckily, Lindsay's busy uh, defending or doing some case about like uh, uh, a kid who burned an American flag. Uh, and so since Lindsay's busy with her flag case, Bobby, 
even though you know he's no longer feeling religious, so he's got no no qualms uh, trying to get in the pants of this latest Black Widow in a very sexy, ripped from the headlines. Bobby bangs a Black Widow while Lindsay is busy working a flag case. Which uh, I believe was your guest last time. Didn't wasn't Bobby supposed to be banging a Black Widow literally yesterday? Well. He lost 24 hours. Now he's got, you better get on that Black Widow fast. We know what Mike is really hoping for. So, uh, and this Black very... Widow is, po and you know this is Black Widow is poisonous because the cats won't go anywhere near her. Yeah, no, true enough. True enough. Uh, but you'd be happy to leave your mom chained in the basement with the, uh, with the Black Widow. Yeah, so. well, you know, she deserves it. Okay, folks. Well, it is time for you to hop over to your podcasting service of choice and listen to us. Listen to the practice. Bad to worse. We'll see you back here for the after show show. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, as has become a custom, we have just a brief trigger warning. Uh, this episode is going to feature terrible commentary by two very unfunny white guys. Uninformed, entitled white dudes. That's what we do here. With that warning out of the way, Season 7, Episode 8, quite literally, bad to worse. This is me there. I did all the stunts. Some of the girls got picked for their bodies, which you can say I had one, and others for the gymnastics. But actually, I could do all the cheers. Cassie. These are Cheerleader who can do all the cheers. Give me a B, give me an O, give me a B, B, Y. Why? Cause Bobby gonna do me. <laughs> that came way too easily. It really did. <laughs> and that cheerleader's name is Lolita Davidovich. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Who you would know uh, from with Bobby, with Dylan himself, Law and Order, Organized Crime, Shades of Blue, The L Word, Adventures in Babysitting, and Blaze. Wonderful photographs. Thank you. But you're going on trial for murder tomorrow, and I really think we need to focus on the case. <laughs> you said it was important that the jury feel they know me a little. Yes, but whether you did your own backflips in high school isn't relevant. Zing. Obligatory show. We also need moment. to meet with your housekeeper. Nanny. Although she might as well be a housekeeper since foster care yanked away my son. I don't think Bobby's case had turn a on her redhead black widow. So you think I did it, don't you? It's not our place to pass judgment. What about the New Jersey incident? As we explained, since you weren't convicted there, the prosecution can't introduce I mean, do you think I did that one? I wouldn't know. I didn't. I it was like probably his probably wife. Done. She did time in a rubber room, you know. And for someone who supposedly loved her husband, why wasn't she at the trial? Loved ones of the victims always go to trial to see the murderer get theirs. Well, perhaps, as you say, she was the killer, so she'd feel no need to see you get yours. We need to concentrate on this trial. Who ran over who seven years ago in New Jersey isn't relevant. They're real. I'm sorry? My breasts. I can tell when women are looking at them to see. 
Ellen Welcome back, David. is thirsty. <laughs> the real. David is back so are mine. writing. Is there a point? Ooh, Cameron, back with the it's so are mine. It's just that people think I'm a fraud. The police obviously do. That's why I'm going on trial, isn't it? And the jury's going to think if she'd lie about her tits, then she'd lie about anything. Well, they're real. The jury needs to know it. Keith, is that a shark jumping? <laughs> I heard a flash somewhere. <laughs> Is that the Fonz on water skis? <laughs> Winkler? How'd he get the, uh, how'd he get <laughs> grape jelly in his hands while he's holding the uh, uh, water skis? What ski would I give for Winkler going by on jet skis just going, they're real? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are we uh, even yeah. doing? <laughs> This is only the second episode of the week. We have two more we have to do. Oh, we a have, month we can't from get now, loopy. people. A month from now. Wait till you hear that episode. We have to pull ourselves together. We cannot get loopy yet. Oh, okay. Honestly. Keith, do you know what's on my calendar today? Uh, between the hours of today? 2 and 4.30? Yeah, what's that? It says, literally, very important meeting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even it's trying nice. anymore. Oh, this looks Thank like a tobacco law firm. Yeah, Lindsay's going into Lindsay a fancy law firm like she did in the pilot. My fault. Pleasure. Hi. Ed Lamato. How do you do? Nice to meet you. Brian Adams. Nothing. What's Stanley Lamato Wells, with you? And Roland Monroe, our client. Pleasure to meet you, Lindsay. Nice to meet you. Please have a seat. She's meeting with a bunch of male <clears throat> whippings. I know it was incredibly short notice. I appreciate your agreeing to meet with us. No problem. Roland is CEO of Seaboard Airlines. A fairly new East Coast commuter service. I've heard of it. They're being sued today in federal court. He does. Let's do it. Rich white dude talking to Lindsay. I feel like he's been on the show before. He hasn't, but uh, you will definitely remember who he is when I tell you that it is Christopher Cousins. And the person you're remembering him, the character, is Ted Beneke on Breaking Bad. Yes. Of course, the guy that Skyler had an affair with didn't pan out well. You would also know him from The Grudge 2, Vanished, Revolution, Glee, and Unreal. Effective passenger is seeking a restraining order to enjoin one of Seaboard's policies. And we'd like you to join with us and actually argue the motion. We can fully brief you on all the issues, which are pretty straightforward, assuming you're interested. Okay, what am I missing? Excuse me? This is a big law firm with plenty of high-powered civil litigators. My practice has been almost exclusively criminal. Well, we Why really felt like we needed a killer, you know? <laughs> we don't expect to win the motion. Our goal is to attract attention. Now, in addition to being a pretty gifted attorney, you're attractive, and at the moment, extremely hot copy, given your murder conviction and recent release. Basically, we think you'll make the news. I want this particular policy to get some play. What's the policy? We don't fly Arabs. <laughs> You're kidding, right? I'm not kidding. We want to be known as the most security-conscious airline in the new world. Obviously, the longer this thing stays in play, the more publicity it generates. Ideally, I we'd like to we get rolling on the stand for this. an adventure here. Really deep voice, racist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was good. <laughs> that, to be fair, 
who is the actor playing yeah. the really deep-voiced racist uh, who certainly is not responsible for what his character is saying or doing, but this is Bradford English, uh, who you know from Basic Instinct and Wolf. But if you are in my household here in New Jersey in the Halloween season, you know that we are working our way through every Halloween movie and every Jason movie before the clock strikes Halloween. And of course, he played the asshole dad in Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers, who gets electrocuted so hard his head explodes. Uh, definitely a memorable moment and performance in cinematic history. And you cannot fly on his airline if you don't speak Bradford English. If you can accomplish that, Ooh, well fantastic. Played. You don't fly Arabs. She's a total loon, Eugene. Let's just do our job. What is our job? The director from the client yes. is- Yes! She is, okay, play it, Keith. You haven't done it in a while. Oh, yes, okay, hold, I, you know, it might take me about 45 minutes to even find it. There it is. Parishioners, it is time to contemplate the answer to one of God's greatest mysteries. What the hell is Lucy wearing? Folks, Lucy is wearing what appears to be a 1920s flapper gown uh, mm -hmm. with uh, hair and makeup and earrings as if she's going to the Met Gala. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. This is not a Tuesday at the office look, but I guess if you are the one and only Lucy... It is. And if you want to know what a Tuesday in the basement looks like, cut back to my feed on YouTube, and I haven't even showered. <laughs> directive from the client has been to authenticate her breasts. Well, did they at least take away her driver's license? Excuse me? When she ran over her last lover. She wasn't convicted of that, Lucy. Sophie, I thought we were going to meet down at the courthouse. I know, but can I talk to the two of you for a second? Man, people love to just show the hell up, don't they? I'm starting they really to do. panic a little. I don't All right, let's just find out who Sophie is. Then we'll All right, let's do it. Let's, who's that lady who just walked into the office? I just did the bumper live because why not? It's Tuesday. Sophie's choice. Sophie Taylor is played by Sue Ann Spoke from Golden Girls, The X-Files, Weeds, and the uh, one of my TGIF favorites from back in the day, Step by Step. Step by Step. Ooh, baby. No, that's uh, New Kids. Step-by-step uh, step was step-by-step, day-by-day, fresh start over to a something in a schmitty. I don't think I should testify. Something should testify. Step-by-step step was uh, Patrick Duffy, uh, uh -huh. Suzanne Summers. Suzanne Summers. And, like, Cody, the, like, surfer guy. Right. It was the Brady Bunch. It was like, hey, guys, why don't we do the Brady Bunch, but, you know, like, now. Right, and by now I mean Alba. 1992. I know, <laughs> but I have a little skeleton in my closet, and oh. I am suddenly afraid that if the DA finds out... What skeleton? Four years ago, I sort of changed my name, and not exactly legally. What do you mean you sort of changed your name? I embezzled. Oops. A little. Hey, you should talk to Jimmy. From a former employer. It was nothing too serious. But my lawyer said that there was a possibility that I could go to jail, so I fled the state. 
and came to Massachusetts, and with the help of some less reputable lawyers, I became Sophie Taylor. She tells you this an hour before trial? I'm not sure. What are you doing, sir? That, I, I can't hear what you're uh, what you're jamming to. Oh, you can't hear this? Oh, I the, the people can. The people can. The people. As long as the people can. Can we hear what the people are hearing? I wonder Do why you can't hear the it. People step oh, by you step. can't hear it actually. I uh, yeah, I wasn't lying. Oh <laughs> well, yeah, that's a shame that you can't hear it. Hold on, let me. Why don't you stall for just a second while I uh, address this issue? Do you want me to pull up the step by step theme song? I've got it going, but I guess. Uh, uh, it's gonna be a second, so why don't you do it? Okay, all right. And and what's great is uh, because this is just our regular. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. It's funny because I just listened to this. Apparently, it's only in the left ear. Yep, we pulled the same thing up. <laughs> oh, I remember this so well. Going down the roller coaster. It's like one decibel for me, but I imagine it goes to the fun Oh, that's not amazing. Hey, the What Suzanne Summers up to these days? I think she just like Cox products on HLN. Oh, she needs to do. Keith, your 80s voice is my new favorite thing. I'm obsessed with it. Do some more 80s. Okay, from now on, folks, for the rest of the episode, Keith has to sing the who's that whoever in 80s voice. That is the rule, okay? (laughs) Cut it. No drinking game this week, but we get Keith's 80s voice. Uh, Back to the episode. (laughs) Sorry about this. We're going back to the episode. The episode. (laughs) Yeah. I couldn't do it. Not warmed up. <laughs> Episode! <laughs> See, I don't have that kind of... My falsetto doesn't go up that high anymore. I blew it someday. I think it was doing that bumper that one time. <laughs> you can't call her. Why? Because you can't knowingly put up a witness to lie. She so much as says a name, Sophie Taylor... It's a lie. Look, the likelihood is the prosecution will have no idea about this. She has no record as Sophie Taylor. That isn't relevant to the legal ethics. What's her real name? She won't tell us. Jamie, maybe you and Lucy could find that out. Why don't you just plead this thing? We'd love to. Helen won't. The best they'll offer is murder, too. Then go with what you've got. A hot-ass black This man is an American citizen. With real He's kids. a college professor. The intent whoa, whoa. is safety here, not bias. And when. Oh, come on, counsel. The assumption itself is a bias. To make an airline safe, you have to exclude Arabs? Your Honor, I will admit the outrageousness of this policy. How generous of okay. you. Do you also acknowledge something called equal protection? It's, it's the moment. Who's that judge? Who's that judge? Okay, so I'm going to introduce uh, both the judge and the attorney going against Lindsay. And uh, the judge is played by John Eilward, who is back as Judge Marcotte. 
Uh, but, and this is his third character on the show, but mm. sadly, we have seen this character before, so no jingle for you. You're not supposed to notice that you've been on the show before, but that was back in the 80s, so you don't get to hear the score. You don't get to hear the score. Oh, that didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> This is gonna get really annoying as the episode goes along. Can't wait till next week when Mike and Keith have laryngitis. <laughs> but next week you mean tomorrow at two. Yeah. I got fired from my Spanish gig because I blew my voice doing 80s. I, you know, I, I just want you to one time uh <laughs> while while you're on the ship while you're performing schmerzy schmoys you need to just work in just one single most valuable lawyer mm, okay i'm sure there's a way you can work that in <laughs> most valuable lawyer yeah, yeah. okay Keep, <clears throat> if wow dearless trigger warning if you're listening to this week's episode, we uh, encourage you not to wear earphones. Uh, your inner ear will thank you. Yeah, but you're speaking to nobody because everybody's iPhones just got thrown into a river. So, okay, so the attorney going against Lindsay is played by Vincent Angel, uh, who you would know from The Shield 24 Californication and is now a writer and producer on The Rookie and The Blacklist. The rich are already doing this. They're chartering private golf streams to fly on Arab-free planes. One could argue my client is serving equality by offering the same privilege to the middle class. One could argue it. I wouldn't. With the court's permission, I'd like to conduct a short evidentiary hearing so you can hear directly from my client. We don't need a hearing to determine whether or not- I will submit the laws in this area are complicated. If you're going to shut us down, I would at least request the courtesy of hearing what my client has to say. Lindsay, what are you doing? Yeah, I thought the whole point of her taking on a new was so she wouldn't have to do shit like this. Revenge is said to be the greatest of all motivators. There is no psychological force greater, none, than the will to get even. You will hear evidence how Cassie Ray and Jason Scott were lovers. They even had a child together. Then early last May... Jason yeah, it's Scott not my broke baby, it off. baby. I can't do an awesome power star. And Cassie Ray became enraged. Don't be sorry. The evidence will that. reveal the threats the defendant made against the victim. The evidence will show on May 23rd, in the middle of the night, Cassie Ray drove to the victim's house, picked up a baseball bat, and attacked the victim while he lay sleeping. The coroner will tell you. Jason Scott was struck on the head over 50 times. The Ooh. expert psychiatrist will tell you that this inhuman brutality can only come from profound vengeance. Most of all, the evidence will reveal that this brutal murder was committed by Cassie Ray. The evidence will indeed reveal this was a brutal, vicious murder, but that's all the evidence will tell you. The evidence here is thin, circumstantial, no witnesses. 
You shouldn't body shame Evans. Cassie Ray has an alibi. She was at home sleeping on the evening of May 23rd, and her nanny will take the stand and tell you my client never left her house. Prosecution has a burden to prove guilt beyond all reasonable doubt. The evidence will reveal they can't even come close. What the jury won't be allowed to hear is that Cassie Ray was arrested seven years ago for mowing down another lover with her SUV. Since Miss Ray sure was as hell say it on the news so they can murder, hear us before they're selected. The information is inadmissible. Oh wait, I guess they in other legal news, yeah, Seaboard Airlines was sued today in federal court for its refusal to allow passengers of Arab or Islamic descent on its aircraft. Well, they made the news. That's what they wanted, at least, right? At least we never elected Lucy, a president okay? who actually in, like enacted that countrywide. <laughs> if I transfer my calls, I need to pick up the little man at daycare. Sure. Maybe you should get your own secretary. I'm sorry? You have your own practice now. Maybe you should have <clears throat> your own secretary. Yo, Lisa Gay coming in. I'm sorry, Rebecca coming in on Well, you know, I'm, I'm just concerned that people will call, get Lucy, and think you still work here. And we'll be confused with the kind of firm that defends bigots. Oh, I yeah. see. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. You defend murderers, but a bigot? It is not the same thing, and you know it. All right. We don't defend Rebecca a person's right to kill. Rebecca is freaking right! It's nice to see her mad. We don't usually get to see her mad. Yeah. Give her some... It, actually, it's nice to see her on the goddamn television show, to be honest. Well, it's nice to see her mad for a real, non-manufactured, non-like, where's the creamer and the coffee reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The creamer. You are defending That's, this client's no, right to engage in racial profiling. And to the extent that you're helping to legitimize prejudice, don't think you're not fueling a murder or two down the road, Lindsay. I need to take cases, Rebecca. You didn't need to take that one. I'm trying to build a civil practice you here. You didn't need to take that one. Nor did your husband have to take on another Black Widow. That's pretty much how he looked <laughs> when we arrived. He's with Black Widow. Detective, who called the police to the scene? Ms. Ray's nanny. She yeah. was dropping the child off for a visit when What's she discovered up, Ray, the body. So. And, Detective, could you tell us what physical evidence you found? The defendant's fingerprints were all over Some the gelato. house. We found hair genetically matching the defendant. Specifically, one of the defendant's hairs was found on the murder weapon. Her bloody shoe print. Tire tracks matching the defendant's car. We also found a bite mark on the victim. Dental imprints revealed an exact match with the defendant. Fresh bite mark? Within the last 24 hours, yes. Possible he was bitten the day before he was killed. We can't rule it out, but... Thank you. And if my client were in that house the day before this murder, it's possible she left her prints, tire tracks, and hair behind then. Isn't it, Detective? Anything's possible, Counsel, but again... Anything my client also possible. came to the house once the body was discovered, didn't she? She entered the premises. She did. She was restrained. She contaminated the scene, didn't she? Part of the scene. Possible she left her bloody footprint then, isn't it? We don't believe it was left then. Can you rule it out? No, but... You found the baseball bat on the floor. That's correct. Well, then, it's possible the hair you found on the bat could have come off the carpet. Right? I heard her screaming at him. The defendant, the very day before the murder, I was walking Sylvia my cat Brown? past Jason's house. Oh, God, Who's Mr. Who's that crazy who maybe does tarot card readings? Oh, 
Ooh, I changed the key, buddy. We're now in this new key. And I think she did play a tarot card lady in a different show. <laughs> but her name is Magna Herout. Uh, from the Golden Girls, Quantum Leap, and Fringe. Wow, two Golden Girl alumni. Alumni? <laughs> and I heard her yelling. You can't do this. I won't let you do this. And I even thought I heard a scuffle. No. Miss Jessel, the night of the murder, did you observe anything unusual? Yes. About 1 a.m., I was walking my cat. We're both fairly nocturnal. And I saw her car parked one street over from his house. The defendant's car? Parked a street away. Like she didn't want anyone to notice. But I noticed... You were walking your cat? Yes, I was. I suppose that makes me crazy. You said you saw my client's car. What was the license plate? It's a Mercedes, silver. You didn't get the license? No. Do you believe in past lives, Miss Jessel? Nor does that make me crazy, if that's your implication. Were you and, on no, Earth everything before about you this makes life? You crazy. Yes, I was. As? A cat. Oh, God. It's discrimination. I don't pretend otherwise. We have tried but it's four years <laughs> to make this podcast a success. We're we actively failing. It's time to give the world what it wants. Hot cat crazy lady. Hot cat <laughs> crazy lady in the 80s. Why? We now return to your previously scheduled racist. Look. We can screen baggage, search passengers, get most of the weapons. But you know who we catch? The unwitting people who aren't really trying to get past us. And even some of them get by. Anybody truly determined to take a plane down. I just can't look my customers in the eye and say I guarantee it won't happen. But you can if you ban Arabs? We improve our chances. The terrorists we're most at risk from come from the Muslim world. That's a fact. Also a fact. This is racial profiling. Without a doubt. But we're not the first to do it. Immigration fingerprints and photographs any Islamic coming into this country. We don't do that with the French. But what you're doing isn't tightening security. You're barring them. Okay, hold on. Let's get specific here, just for a moment. <clears throat> Have they specified, when they say Arabs, they don't mean people who look Arab, right? He's saying nationals uh i doubt it i think it's just anyone who feels like it might be that i mean because so, like so, so doesn't that isn't that a violation of the first amendment right of course it is all right so it's like you said it's just publicity they're doing this yeah i mean it's blatant i mean you know it's it's no different than you know two water fountains it's it's right. absolute it's just full-on <clears throat> But if it's Arab bullshit. nationals, right, I'm just thinking, like, they don't have the First Amendment rights, so theoretically... People... Well, right. Is it is it people whose passports are from an Arab nation, or is it people of Arab descent or Muslim descent? That's... in it, I, Which I don't think he's making that distinction. Okay. So it's not... We're not trying to parse that very tricky issue, like, in episodes past. This is just sort of a, a broad, broad stroke type of thing. He's just a flat-out racist. Yeah. Look... People do not feel comfortable seeing an Arab person on their plane. They do not feel safe. 
I'm in a customer service business here. If my customer does not feel safe, I'm out of business. That's what this is really about, isn't it, Mr. Monroe? The bottom line. It's about trying to assure our customers that the security... We don't fly Arabs. Mr. First, I'm a great believer in equal justice. But so are most of the people on those planes September 11th. That's as cheap as it is offensive. I don't think so. We have all kinds of weapons that can avoid detection. Plus, these terrorists are trained in physical combat. Even if you eliminate the what weapons... What if your research showed that blacks were more likely to commit mayhem on a plane? I would never exclude blacks, because I would consider that bias to be unreasonable. This prejudice isn't. There are 1.6 billion Muslims in the world, and you're discriminating against all of them because of the actions of 19. That's reasonable? Start your own company and run it the way you'd like. I should get the same courtesy. We don't give people the right to be a bigot in this country. How about the right to be safe? What if somebody was convicted of a crime? Do you screen them out? No. What about, say, your attorney? Would you fly her? Objection. I've been her son's nanny for almost two years. You're a live-in? Yes, and my bedroom is right over the garage. Ma'am, I call your attention to the night of May 23rd, 2002. Where were you that night? I was home, at Cassie's house. And was she there? Yes, she was, all night. Can you tell us what you remember, specifically? Yes. Cassie was having sinus problems, so she took some sleeping pills to help her sleep, and since they kind of knock her out, she asked me to listen for Timothy in case he should cry. I left the door open so I could hear. Are you a deep sleeper? I'm an extremely light sleeper. Do you know whether my client ever left the house that night? She couldn't have. If she so much as started the car, she would have woken me. Thank you. Hmm. Miss Taylor. I wouldn't Taylor. call that eyewitness. That's basing that, they're, you're basing her credibility on how deeply she says she sleeps. Right. Right. But it is like someone who was there who was like in person, whether or not she was asleep or not, it is somewhat corroborative. You're very devoted to Cassie Ray, aren't you? <clears throat> yes. But I am telling the truth. She never left the house that night. I see. Did you? Did I? No. After you discovered Jason Scott's body and the police arrived, do you remember what you told them? Not really. I was in shock. They had to calm me down. You don't remember telling the police that you left the house that night? I didn't tell them that. Well, yes, you did. You said you were home all night with the exception of when you called a cab <clears throat> to go to the pharmacy. You see that man, Sophie? He's the cab driver who drove you. Oops. Now, do you remember going to the pharmacy? I, f I forgot that I told the police about that. Oh, you forgot you told the police that. Would you be up here lying to save Cassie? No. I forgot about the pharmacy. I was gone. 30 minutes, tops. Uh-huh. By the way, I have no record of a Sophie Taylor existing until three years ago. Would uh -oh. that be your real name? Oh, the Eugene eye roll there was not good. Am I dead? It doesn't look good. 
Listen. Uh, wait, uh, hold I time out. Grape jelly time. Are, are we going to do any further information on that? That lady didn't, she didn't exist until three years ago? Oh, uh, well, I'm not going to tell you that. We should not where we are in the two. episode. I know it's not much, but it beats murder one. I know you think I did it. You don't want to win this, do you? We are doing our very best, Cassie. But I have to say, you were dumped by two boyfriends. Both end up dead. It's Ryan never dumped me. Ryan would be New Jersey? He loved me. He had a wife and a family. That's the only reason he didn't want to leave. He loved me. And I didn't kill him. I had an alibi. That's why I didn't get convicted. I had an alibi. Yes, you always seem to find yourself an alibi. But your car ran over him. It was stolen. I reported it stolen. Okay, so someone stole your car and just happened to run over your lover with it. I had an alibi. And he loved me. He had a family, that's all. And they're real. Don't you go saying Ryan didn't love me. And Jason? He loved you too? No. Jason did dump me. <clears throat> and I cut his balls off. He deserved what he got. But I didn't do it. <clears throat> Ryan loved me. It was only because he had a family. Well, we got two losers this week, Keith. Yeah. So the Hello. client Hello. suing Lindsay just got on the elevator, and uh, we should actually introduce him, even though that's the only word he says. Who's that guy standing next to Lindsay that we feel bad for because she's doing a super racist case? And that is Syed Badreya, who uh, don't you don't mess with Zohan movie forty three Lost, and of course from Iron Man. Of course, of course. Lindsay feels one. soups uncomfy. Yes, she I should. bit him. I was mad at him. I don't deny that, but I still loved him. Why were you so angry with Jason Scott? I was in love with him. I took care of him, I raised his son, I made love to him, I let him nuzzle himself to sleep every single night on my breasts, which are real, by the way. Soup's I was real. practically a wife, and he dumped me. Did you make threats? Yes. I screamed at him, I admit. I even told people I hated him. But underneath, I still loved him. I could never- Cassie, did you ever leave your house the night of his death? Never. I took a sleeping pill. I was knocked out. I was there the day of, and we argued, and I bit him, but I never went there that night. You bit him because you were angry? Yes, and why shouldn't I be? I have a son, and right now he's in foster care, for God's sakes. I shouldn't be angry. Well, he's in foster care because his father's dead and his mother's being charged with the murder. Exactly, for which I'm innocent. How could I not She's be angry? She's mad at him for being Cassie, murdered? you get angry a lot, don't you? 
I don't get violent if that's where you're headed. Okay. You bite him. Cassie, I'm holding in my hands your diary. This is your diary, correct? Yes. I would like you to read the clipped page dated March. I mean, how uninformed are Eleanor and Eugene here? Every fucking thing they say, they are like, what? What? Who? Diary. 11th, 2000. Do a lot of research. He has his precious bat he got at an auction. Because once the prosecution has to tell, it's called discovery, right? They have to show the defense what they have. Or at least, uh, well, if you're going to put something into evidence, doesn't have to be logged before. I'm not entirely sure. I know know if it's exculpatory, they have to tell the defense. But I don't know if if it's incriminatory, whether that they have to Hmm. tell the defense. Better podcast. Signed by Harmon Killebrew. I feel like pounding his head with it. Maybe one day I will. <laughs> Sorry. Eugene. <laughs> you left? I couldn't help it. What do you mean you couldn't help it? How do you laugh? She bites him. Her prints and hairs are all over the scene. She threatens him. Her alibi turns out to be. Prosecution must also provide the defendant copies of materials and evidence that the prosecution intends to use at trial. Further, the prosecutor is required to provide the defense with evidence that may hurt his case, called exculpatory evidence. All evidence has to be logged during discovery. Right. Yeah. So, like, nobody thought to, you know, read the read diary? The A big liar with no name. I'm thinking, what else could possibly go wrong? Of course. She puts an entry in her diary saying she wants to beat on his head with a bat. Come on. That doesn't mean you laugh. Did you know about this diary? Of course we didn't know. That was taking the fun out of it. Eugene, I can't wait to see what happens next. Why didn't you know? By the way, Cassie knew the police had her diary, and she forgot to tell us. She forgot to tell us. What are you going to do? What else can I do? It's plan B time. Plan B? Who? The nanny. What? The nanny? Unless somebody's got a better idea. Eugene. Bobby... Don't tell me how ridiculous it is. This case went to ridiculous a long time ago. You're going to accuse the nanny? What would be the motive? Don't need a motive. Uh, dear show, remember Jamie Stringer? She was yeah. cool. Yeah. Why isn't she in other than these, like, she asks a question per episode? Uh, because our cast is too big. Mm. And uh, we oh, hell, I don't even know her real name. It's all a big mystery. Mystery is doubt. Reasonable. Like why can't her doubt. and Rebecca have a buddy cop? Maybe case? they were lovers. Anybody think about that? No, it's a good idea. Sophie and Cassie are lovers. This Jason was getting in the way, so out comes Harmon Killebrew. Let's go with that. Eugene, let's think about this. Bobby, what's to think about? Sophie is as dumb as Cassie. Who knows? This might even work. These are very good times for intolerance. I mean, come on, who among us, if we see a Muslim? on our flight doesn't check the bastard out head to toe. They blew up the World Trade Center, for God's sakes. And every single one of us, over a year later, still feels violated. But what's being violated today so openly, even proudly, is our civil rights. Our freedom. What the fuck are you doing? The thing that America is supposed to be about. Why would you make this There's nothing proud about this day, Your Honor. Sorry, I didn't see that coming. I apologize. I have this 
ritual with my nine-year-old daughter over breakfast. I tell her about the case that I'm arguing, and she tells me about school. And this week, she's learning about Rosa Parks. She said, imagine, Daddy. They used to make blacks sit in the back of the bus. Sure, it's a different world since 9-11. But the times of our nation have always been defined most by who we are as a people. Well, who are we? Do we really stand for liberty? I mean, are we truly the champions of equal rights? Are Martin Luther King's words about judging a person by the content of their character, not by the color of their skin? Uh, 2021's calling, buddy. The answer to your question is, uh, no. Yeah, we Do we thought. live by these words? Or are they just credos that we trumpet when we're not running scared? What you got, Lindsay? We the people. That's how our constitution begins. Since 9-11, the people want justice. People want revenge. But mostly, people want security. Our government tells us every day the next attack is coming. Be on the lookout. It's not a question of if, but when. It's not about screening weapons. The airplane itself is the weapon. It's a big flying bomb. It has to be about stopping certain people from getting on board. And yes, by certain people, I mean Arabs. Racial profiling is a terrible thing, but the reality is it has become necessary. Hey, writer's room, real quick. Uh, you know, we had her murder some guy and then go yeah. to prison for a while. But but uh, for some reason, people still like her. Yeah, what else can we do to Lindsay to just, you know, sort of like make it impossible uh, to like her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, can she like leave a baby at a just like a dead baby somewhere? Nah, we did that already. Oh, we she did sort that. Of, yeah, what else we got? Let's okay, think on it. Really she hang somebody it. out a window? Or? These terrorists yeah. are unlike any enemy that we have ever faced. They're not just evil. They're educated, trained, and willing to die themselves. They live among us as neighbors. They are among us. It's not possible to behaviorally pick them out. That's why, to be safe, an airline has to screen them all, or at least an airline should be allowed to. When I was growing up, America was always a land whose borders were open, a place where anybody from any nation could come to our shores, work hard, and fulfill his dreams. I've always loved being an American. I have a young son. And... This is not going well. No. Once my dream for him was to grow up in this America. But that's no longer a possibility. And I cry about that. Hey, I cry down. for my son. But as his mother, I want him to be safe. Hey, I want for him to be able to get on a plane that won't be used as a bomb. And I don't think you can dismiss that as paranoia, Your Honor. 
when our own leaders are telling us to be afraid. I'll remind you, Miss Taylor, that you're under oath. We had a lot of surprises well. earlier, didn't we? It Turns was also out you gone from the house at the so time it aired. I mean, I mean, it's hard not to. It's not self righteousness. I mean, it's pretty clear. Like even at the time, in that moment, when we were all <clears throat> okay, there was a sense for some, not all. I won't play, play with, but like especially in New York, especially at that time period. There was a, a, a stronger sense of nationalism than generally, all right? And and I don't mean the nationalism. Well, I guess it was sort of the nationalism you see in certain circles now. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't particularly inclusive. But even with that sentiment going around, uh, at, at a, and I'll, I'll say for a, a, a generally uneducated I'm going to use myself as an example here. I, I fell into that nationalism because I was enjoying the sort of sense of community that it was fostering. Um, but I wasn't doing a lot of the legwork that you, Keith, were doing in, in, in knowing, in reading both sides of that story and seeing what it was, kind of what that nationalism sort of represented for for some of our fellow citizens. Uh, but that said it didn't take long for to see the reports, read the reports of like cab drivers and such getting ripped out of their cabs and the shit beat out of them and stuff like that to learn that, oh, this is being used as sort of propaganda, this this event, and it's bullshit. Okay, well, so that, so well, and yeah. through that lens, okay, Lindsay's smarter than that, right? The character of Lindsay and what she's, trying what she's saying is no better than ripping a cab driver out of the car because oh they're they're because our my sense of security is gone so let me rip this arab out of his cab because he looks brown and beat the shit out of him like she just defended that yeah she sure did and you know it's like it's only nationalism if your sense of the nation is inherently racist <laughs> You know, and you know, which is why we call it white nationalism now, because it is not, you know, yes, it uses the flag as a symbol, but what it represents is racism. And, and what's even grosser about that, what's even grosser about that is that she took the case under the the clear auspice that she was doing so to just be inflammatory, and then invoked her son. Right, she, in she, order to she gave a it. crocodile tear about her son defending racism. <laughs> like it's, it does, it's despicable. Yeah, it's gross. And it doesn't. Horrible. It's just not justified. I don't get the point they're trying to make because I think I think that's the the point is that they're like, well, she doesn't really mean it because she's they they set the intention as oh, she's just trying to be inflammatory, but yet. She's like <sighs> shedding a tear about her son, so she does mean it. And, and and as Rebecca pointed out, she didn't have to take this case. Now, look, anything could happen in 15 minutes, but thus far, whatever, I guess we'll we'll try to analyze what they were trying to say, but right. whatever they're trying to say thus far for me ain't working, especially coming from the hero of our story. Right. Sophie Taylor uh, isn't your real name. Kind of begs the question, doesn't it? You killed Jason Scott, didn't you? What? It was you. What are you doing? What's going on? Mr. Young. Your Honor, I have reason to suspect this woman of the murder. This woman is a felon. What state did you flee after you were caught embezzling? Hey. What's your name, ma'am? 
I told you that in private. You're not my client, ma'am. What's your name? You can't do this. Tell us who you are. Your Honor, I plead the Second Amendment. Let's try the Fifth. Did you kill Jason Scott? No. You had keys to his house, her car. You could have easily taken one of Cassie's hairs and stuck it to a bat. Your Honor. What? You're crazy. Your Honor, I demand you order this woman to reveal her real name. Maybe she's killed others. Mr. Young, settle down now. Richard McGonagall back as Judge Wilcox. You know what, Ms. Taylor, or whoever you are, I am going to order you to tell us your true identity. Otherwise, I will hold you in contempt. Marge Fennell. I'm from Connecticut. And who did you embezzle from, Miss Fennell? I didn't. I just made it up to make me sound a little exotic. I got a speeding ticket once. Oh, Eugene. It's, we've, we've rarely seen a plan B fail this, this badly. Yeah, I didn't, uh... Well, you had out. to at least try. the practice? Now what? Showtime, I guess. Sucks this. Showtime? <laughs> I thought we already <laughs> had showtime. Sucks. What are you gonna do now? I'm gonna close. With what? I mean, we, I mean, you and I suck generally, but I mean, like, rarely are we so bad as lawyers. Our characters aren't doing yeah. well, no. No. This is all around. Aren't you glad you're two hours into your 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 day, your Tuesday today, listener? United States of America. This is America. Wait, wait back it up a little bit. Because he's... Because it's important for the plot. About what their strategy is going to be now. Well, we had to at least try. Now what? Showtime, I guess. Showtime? I thought we already had showtime. What are you going to do now? I'm going to close. With what? United States of America. We're playing Damn. all the hits! Be seated. Here comes the judge's ruling in Lindsay's case. I find it almost unimaginable that we are in court to decide whether it is permissible for an airline to discriminate against a group based on its ethnicity. It is a flat-out violation of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, the Commerce Clause, and the idea repulses me. It is unimaginable. But I'm reminded of a column I read in the New York Times by Thomas Friedman. Monologue. He said what happened on September the 11th was beyond unimaginable. It wasn't so much our intelligence agencies as it was our imaginations that failed. We simply couldn't conceive that educated people from privileged homes, no less, would turn a plane into a missile, killing themselves and so many innocent people. Mr. First, you are asking me to weigh the principles of law, of reason, perhaps morality, against a phenomenon of terrorism that knows no such boundaries. That's why the government has so much as admitted they don't know what steps to take against the ones waiting to strike next. They are beyond our imagination. Ms. Dole, you mentioned that you loved being an American. So do I. 
I became a judge, first and foremost, to protect those liberties so afforded us by the Constitution, those freedoms that we all hold so precious and, until recently, so fundamental. But the reality is we make exceptions to our constitutional rights all the time, be it freedom of speech, religion. None of them is absolute. The legal test for doing something so patently unconstitutional is basically you better have a damn good reason. There has been one other long-standing reality in this country. If not safe, one can never be free. Be free. With great personal disgust, She's gonna win. I am denying the plaintiff's motion for a TRO. We can all take consolation in knowing that this ruling probably won't stick on appeal, but let's not kid ourselves. The day is soon coming when it will. Just like last week, plaintiff's motion win, denied. So that Bob, she has to feel bad. We're adjourned. Now her and Bobby can both feel bad for doing terrible things. Seriously, counselor. Thank you, Lindsay. Fantastic. Checks in the mail, baby. Something tells me you're gonna have a pretty decent civil practice for yourself. I liked her better when she was murdering people. Yeah, at least that guy had it coming. Okay. Some could say she really ate it here, Keith. Hmm. Apparently, she could handle the truth. So she feels bad? She threatened him. They were heard fighting the day before. Her car was seen parked a block away the night of the murder. Her prints, hairs, fibers, all over the scene of the crime. There was even one hair on the murder weapon. She left a bloody shoe print. She puts an alibi witness up here who lied who admitted she couldn't totally account for the defendant's whereabouts. She even lied about her own name. Who knows what else she made up? Oh, the man, psychiatric expert <laughs> told you. There's only one motive for this kind of killing. When a man gets hit on the head over 50 times, it's rage, revenge. This woman wrote in her own diary Maybe I'll beat him on his head with a baseball bat. Gee, I wonder what happened. A little on the nose, but... Wait, hold on, on head, Eugene. I don't know about... Should we closing time it, buddy? Oh, yes. It's closing time! I'm so pretty. I'm gonna get it. Closing time! This is silly. This is America. This is Eugene Young. About you, but I'm getting damn sick and tired of waking up, reading in the paper, of yet another innocent man on death row being cleared by DNA. America. How the hell did we put so many people on death row? I just checked my following list. You motherfuckers. Our figures got to be the jury. We can't hear his closing. Not 
doing their jobs. I suspect it's saying very similar things. I'm sure all these suspects looked guilty. If they didn't look guilty, they wouldn't be on trial. Everybody who gets arrested looks guilty. The police are even sure of it, but it's up to the jury to make sure they prove it beyond all reasonable doubt because this is the United States of America. And in the United States of America, we don't lock people up, especially for murder, unless the government satisfies that burden. Now, once we say, okay, you don't have to prove it beyond all reasonable doubt, then the innocent, including you and me, could get locked up. That's not acceptable in the United States of America, is it? Is it? Now, look what we have here. My look client we looks guilty, here. like Ms. Gamble said. They got prints, they got fibers, hair on the bat, a diary, a witness sees the car. She looks damn guilty, but when you stop, she was there the day before, of course her prints and fibers are all over. A bloody bat falls on the carpet, stuff's gonna stick to it, including hair. And as for the car being seen that night, uh, yeah, by some nut who thinks she'll come back as a cat. These aren't the kind of building blocks we use to deny a person her freedom for the rest of her natural life, not in the United States of America. Now, uh, as for the diary, You think she's the first woman to ever think about killing her lover? Come on. Come and think on, about it three, man. four times a day. She gets punished for what she thinks because she writes it down in the book. That's not what we do. I remember that case back in season one or two with that old guy who wrote that journal about killing his wife. And we were like, doesn't everybody talk about killing his wife? We're just using the same shit over and over. Over and over, over and over, over and over, plot lines over and over. In this country, we demand proof and it isn't there. My client took a sleeping pill. That was never contradicted. She was never seen leaving her house. It's possible that somebody else came into that house. Detective McGuire couldn't rule it out. Did you hear him rule it out? No, that somebody could have been Sophie Taylor or Marge Fennell or whatever the hell her name is. She's a liar. She had keys to the car, keys to the victim's house, struck me as a wacko. Who among us doesn't have doubts about her? Now, you can think my client is guilty. That's reasonable. The point is, you can't know it. This is the same close as yesterday. You can't be convinced beyond all week. reasonable doubt. And it's failing that high standard of proof... Yeah, there aren't many closes, I guess. Ms. Ray must be presumed innocent. They both reached for the gun. Because after all... This is America. This is the United States of America. United States of America. Don't catch me slipping. Donald Dole, whatever. Hey, Eleanor. Oops. That was now? legit funny. Already? Oh, the, okay. the jury's back already, Keith? Already? What? Jury's what back. What does it mean? They were out 16 minutes. Donald Dole, what the whatever. Hell? That's a new name What's of the wrong? podcast. Call Eugene. I can't. They're in court. Cell phones are off. Cell phones? Stringer's got something to do. She can Google. She's the only one who can Google. <laughs> That's right. They don't know how. They don't know how to hook up their computers. Gene, 
What, did he find out who the nanny is? Or they found another bitch person killed? I don't know. Madam Foreperson, has the jury reached a verdict? We have, Your Honor. Will the defendant please rise? What say you? In the matter of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts versus Cassie Ray, on the charge of murder in the first degree, we find the defendant, Cassie Ray, guilty. guilty. Members of the jury are dismissed with the thanks of the court. We're adjourned. Lindsay's oh, stringer's coming in so just a second too late. You're going to go back into custody, and they're going to hold you there until sentencing. We're going to go over any grounds for appeals, and we're going to talk to you tomorrow. Just hang in there, Cassie. We're going to talk to you tomorrow. I never thought that I'd feel sorry for somebody who bashed a man to death with a baseball bat. Where's Amy? Oh, there she is. We lost. I found out who she is. Oh. Sophie Amen. Taylor. Fennel is her maiden name. I found out who she is. Now what? Ryan Hunter was run over seven years ago in New Jersey. Cassie was prosecuted and acquitted. Mrs. Hunter had a breakdown as was institutionalized. She was released three years ago and changed her name to Sophie Taylor. You became a nanny up. for your husband's mistress. Small world. Did she kill your husband or did you? Framing her. Seven years is a long time to remember. I assume Cassie doesn't know who you really are. Can I be there when you tell her? I would really love to see her face. You killed Jason Scott. Set yourself up as a defense witness, knowing they'd blow you apart on the stand. Oh, now, come on. <laughs> That's a bit risky. Why would I take such a chance? Because you're insane. And just like Helen Gamble said, Revenge is a great motivator. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> okay. We'll never get her out, you know? Why not? The evidence? A conviction? We'll never get around. So that lady can admit to it, but not, well, I guess she didn't admit to it. She just not, like, didn't disagree with what Eugene, when he confronted her. Not technically, but they, I feel like they've got some pretty good grounds for an appeal. But, uh, but Eleanor does not agree with your sentiment. Well, I don't agree with her sentiment. Did they not do any research? None, she just none Googled whatsoever. It? Jamie just Googled it? Yeah, they didn't have Google. They didn't know what that was. They, they, you know what? You know what the problem was? They were using Ask Jeeves. They didn't. <laughs> Jeeves didn't know. That's Netscape. Oh shit! What you got something else? Oh, Netscape three one. Oh, we have a fifty six k modem. Is it me? Or was this not very good? I, I... Oh, now Lindsay's still in the court. Council. I guess nobody. I guess that baby is just hungry. <laughs> know what'll happen <laughs> next? It's nighttime. An Islamic is going to say something anti-American. He'll be shot dead. And we're going to see a new insanity defense. Girl, I don't feel It'll bad for you right now. It'll be called 9-11 Rage. I promise you. 
it's coming. 9-11 rage as diminished capacity and the real perversity. It's a winner. A sure winner. Girl, I ain't feeling sorry for you. You yeah. did it. Tiny violins. I, what, David E. Kelly? You don't get sad piano. No sad it, piano for you. It's all self-inflicted. What the H? Here's, I'll give you the piano you deserve. You chose this on yourself. You picked this case, you son of a bitch. You should have never took it. You get to choose, cause you got your own practice. Why don't you pick something with asbestos? <laughs> Speaking of asbestos, it's time to hop back over to the YouTubes and watch our faces as we discuss what just happened. Which is as as enjoyable as huffing asbestos, I suppose, is where you're going with this? Uh, about that, yeah. Okay, cool. And we are back, baby! We are indeed. We have definitely watched an aptly titled episode of The Practice. And uh, in case you missed out on our musical adventure, and it was very musical today. So if you didn't hear it, it I, you should go back and hear this one because it is some hot nonsense out of us and the show. Uh, but before we do that, let us have Mike give you a little recap. We call. Hmm... Two, three, four. Mike has 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show. Segment. 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 So, yeah, Lindsay says that Arabs shouldn't fly on planes. She doesn't believe it, but then it turns out maybe she does believe it, but then she's pissed does. off. But then she's pissed off that she believed it did it. Uh, meanwhile, there's a there's like a nanny who framed a black widow, so she wasn't really a black widow. She was more just like a, a big boobed, but the real widow, and uh, she goes to prison. And Eleanor's like, well, I guess we lost. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's about right. Uh, can you uh, you know, do that all again, just in fewer syllables? Sure can. All right. What the hell was that? That didn't make any sense. At least Keith sang high. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> perfect, perfect. That, yeah, uh, right? I, I, I thought so. I feel like that explained that as well as it I, deserved. I, I, can't, I can't get out of it. Uh, I can't get out of it. We're just going to stare at Mike in an oops t-shirt. <laughs> wait, 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 I found it. All right. Oh, <laughs> uh, you did it. Oh. <laughs> I thought uh, I'm just gonna stay there for the rest of it. Yeah, I mean, nobody okay. watches this anyway. That's true. Who cares? All right, but you know what I do care about? Listening to my favorite bumper. Yeah, the one celebrity cameo we actually got. Thanks, Jack. <laughs> oh, oh, wrong one. Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice Podcast, unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present. Oopsie. The Oopsies. Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, 
Here are your hosts, Keith and Keith Mike. Mike. What the hell are the oopsies? Well, Jackie, they're a fake award show. Uh, you know, look, we have two cameos. And, uh, you know, our uh, our sports ball cameo, Eric, he's in the new, uh, I know you did last summer TV show. Go check it out. He's, a, he's a copper. Copper, copper. He's a copper. And uh, all right. But what is next? You're going to have to cop to this, Mike. Lindsay's single-handedly destroyed America in one one piece at a time, so that's like that's cool. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, she proved that by her power alone, she can take something she doesn't believe in uh, for the money alone, and uh, you know, s- ruin her child's future uh, in the country he lives in. So that's that's like something. Uh, aren't judges lawyers though? I thought that the judge who ruled presided over that case and ultimately handed the win to Lindsay with the expectation that it would lose an appeal, uh, his clothes or his, whatever his words he spoke was very kind of moving. So maybe we can give it to him. Uh, movingly wrong. Uh, oh. I mean, look, you get to uh, choose where your heart takes you. Uh, but I go with neither. For me, it's uh, Sophie Taylor slash Marge Fennel. Because she, uh, pulling the strings, she puppeted the entire legal system to take revenge on her husband's mistress and uh, throw her away to jail forever. So I feel like yeah, she, she worried the crap it. out of that. I love it. Yeah, Instagram that. Okay, congratulations, Sophie Taylor, for your most valuable lawyer award. All right, coming up next... Everybody dance! Already famous cause you've been on TV Getting a paycheck First entry on your IMDB Way to go! But you're the best guest actor You are the best guest actor You are the best guest actor on the episode! You know, uh, I thought that not Black Widow was. She had a challenge. They were like, "Let's write a really Black Widow um, character, stock character, right? That is Dumb as a get box twi- of hammers. That's going to get twisty twisted out of that. But like, they gave her nothing to really play. I, I mean, that that was a tough spot. Um, and I don't think we've given it to Judge. Uh, that judge I just referenced five, two minutes ago. I don't John think he's won one yet. I thought he was pretty good too in his one little in his. He was. He, he, he was definitely pretty good. was. Yeah. I also enjoyed the performance of Crazy Cat Lady, uh, <laughs> who gave me a very Halloween kooky performance, which could be a, a nice Halloween. I think it'll be Halloween-ish when this episode airs. That could be a mm-hmm. fun. Uh, uh-huh. You know, that's about Magna trying as hard Hero. as the episode yeah. tried today. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I think I'm gonna go there. I think Kooky Cat Lady wow. gave a scene. She, sometimes you just in an episode that's off the rails. I just want to see somebody chew the scenery, and she did that. Okay, Magna Haru or Harout, depending on how you pronounce it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I that's fun. I'm gonna go with Sue Ann Spoke though, as Sophie Taylor, Marge Fennel. Uh, 
for what like yeah. the ending was yeah. so it was very mustache twirly and seen chewy at the ending yes, uh, we but get that's two what chewers. she was directed to do two but chewers there, but there was one little moment when she was on the stand where she flashed just a tiny little flash at Eugene before she played dumb again uh, that I thought revealed her character in that moment. Uh, I thought that was a really good job. So, uh, all right. It is now time for Everybody Cry. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the show. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Steve Harris real quick. Him going for it in that plan B was, which is awesome because it turns out as, as failure, as, as, as fall on your face failure as that was, he was right. Yeah. That's kind of, that is clever in That's retrospect. a little clever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I just thought every beat he had with NLR, that actually they were really, that was a really good, they were really good together today yeah, this, they always this week uh, i thought they both were excellent um i think i i'd like them to split it i think they really gave the best performance i think rebecca had a great or lisa gay had a great line this week that they gave her lucy made an appearance jamie stringer had a couple of like aha moments there they really like you said the cast is feeling a little big because these excellent actors are getting like a line two lines yeah yeah um, but I think Steve and Cameron, this is their episode. Uh, I know, actually, I think it's Lindsay's episode, but I just, I mean, I feel bad for Kelly Williams. I don't, she's not at fault. She did her best, I guess, trying to like show a, a, a bifurcation of her emotional state. And I just don't, I'm so confused, Keith. I'm so confused. I don't know. So my heart no. doesn't want to award an oopsie there. So I'm going to go with uh, the tag team of Steve Harris and... Cameron you, McIntosh. You, you gotta pick Cameron just one. McIntosh, I did it again. <laughs> you gotta uh, pick just one and, and Steve, find I'll give out it to if Steve. I split. Steve hasn't won in a while. Give it to I'll give it to Steve. Okay. Well, I'm not gonna make your wishes come true because I think it's Steve. I think it's Steve all the way. I think it's this is America, Steve. It's uh I'm I I find it delightful. Uh even in a losing case, even when they didn't bother to ask Jeeves any questions about their case, uh, they did so. They performed it admirably and entertainingly. And, and what's cool about it is that we've seen him give almost the same performance, but but uh fueled with a grounded intrinsic motivation that because he believes in his case. But to see Steve Harris act as Eugene acting like right. outraged Eugene right. is it's, pretty awesome. It's it's Eugene on a matinee. Yeah. It's like it's heart's not in it, but he's giving it everything he has anyway. Right, but we're along for each of those beats. That's good acting. So yes, I'm glad that he wins. Yeah. Okay. Uh you know who I'm never glad when he wins? The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Um Okay, because we had the we had uh, the lady who faked her identity, we're gonna have incognito Tom Brady. Um, Tim Tom Brady pretending to be a shark, but it's Tom Brady. Mm, Tom Brady pretending impersonating to be a shark. Shark, yes, but it's Tom Brady. Tom <laughs> Brady. 
Okay, Tom Brady impersonating a shark, but it's Tom Brady. Tom Brady wins the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. I both forgot to think of a Tom Brady and a uh, Haikoopsie this week and just kind of went with it. I put as much effort in as it appears the writing staff did. Yeah, yeah. Well, there it is. Okay, well, let us, let's get into it. Let's drop some tires. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. Have you discovered my secret? That I didn't like this episode very much. Mm. Uh, It felt lazy, right? It felt like, uh, once again, it was like, take this, put it here, take this, put it there, and now let's write in between to like make it somewhat sensible but it's not right like the entire whatever they're trying to say with the Lindsay plot is lost because of the way they set it up a that it's Lindsay who we've gotten seven seasons of her sort of like moral state and yeah yeah, she murdered a guy but she's got principles I thought at least she did and if you try to like excuse that by saying like, oh, we just want you to like get headlines. The Lindsay I know would never, that alone would have, she would have been like, I'm out before they even, she even knew what the case was about. They were like, no, we just want you because we want to like, we want to basically profit off of your headline grabbing murderousness. Lindsay would be like, I'm out. I got other civil stuff I want to do. If she, if she was so hard up to build her civil practice, she wouldn't have left. She would have stayed. She would. She. She was just saying how much she likes the quiet. I just like the quiet. I just right, like, right. But now she you're gonna go to and go like low profile quiet. So I'm gonna go on TV and be known as a racist. Like it doesn't make any fucking sense. Zero, none. Plus, we just were. We just bitched and moaned about how they were destroying the Lindsay character. And like here was a couple of weeks where like eh, they were kind of getting it back. And now they're like, nah, no. So that's that. I, I'm not even going to go like, I'd love to hear you write in out of practice podcast at gmail.com. Tell me I'm wrong, but like, that's fucking weird. Yeah. Okay. Let's go to the other case. I mean, talk about let's write the twist and work backwards because that's all this case is. This was a gotcha switch them up, switcheroo case. And that's it. I mean, the bigger surprise to me is that they didn't really involve Bobby in the black widow case. That, that was this biggest surprise to me. Uh, yes, the, the the switch did get me, but it didn't feel, I mean, I guess if you really analyze it, the, the, her ruse is clever. It's one of the more clever ruses, I suppose, but I just don't like, what is it? Maybe it's just, look, there can be some freak of the week cases. Maybe I, there doesn't need to be a deeper meeting. Maybe that you don't need to have anything to say. Maybe it's just, it's just a filler week, but that's what it feels like to me, a filler week. The best I can summon is a meh. I thought is all right. Like maybe if I'm not thinking too deep and like I'm not coming off a nine last week, I'm a little less disappointed. I mean, positives, we get to everybody's in the episode somewhat, mm-hmm. which is nice. Uh, Jimmy's not. No Jimmy. So that's wrong. Uh, I'm, I just, they highlighted the, the misuse of Rebecca again. Jamie is sort of wasted and she's like a, an aha. They barely respected the criminal justice system. Like they didn't see this diary. 
I, I just none of it makes everybody was sense. lazy, including the characters. Yeah, it's just crazy to me. All, the best part was that Steve was seeing Steve and Cameron sort of ham it up a little bit, mm-hmm. which was cool. So I'm not going to get, but I don't see it. It's not getting higher than a 6.78 for me. Yeah. Well, you know, as I'm, as you were talking, I was trying to decide which uh, analogy to use on this. Cause I was like, this is sort of a, uh, the practice Mad Libs episode where they just took, Great. you know, the practice Great. tropes, Mad Libs, or they had like a, they had a cliche wheel and they spun it around and they decided, no, let's just use all of them. So I'm going to use both analogies because that's what we're doing. We're just like, we're going to take the cheap cliche and use all of them uh, all here in this one episode, which is, uh, it's, it's kind of remarkable. I mean, it's almost like they did it on purpose. Because you've got the Black Widow, you have the secret serial killer, you have the twisty twist, you have the fake identity, all of, like, it's it's The plan B, the epic plan B. The the plan B, the This is America, all of the practice tropes stuffed into not just one episode, but one case. It's like they literally just did all the, they vomited every practice cliche into one case, uh, which was... uh, you know, so look, that half is just ridiculous. It's just, you know, it's ridiculous. That's that's what it is. The, you know, the other case is just, I'm conflicted about it because that, it was reflective of the times. These arguments were being made. These points were being said. This was the nation's topic of conversation at this point. Um, but... What's missing from it is the idea, I mean, Rebecca articulates it a little bit, but I'm not sure the show, the show sort of like gave a nod to the fact that even in the context of the time, this is despicable. And it's sort of setting up like, well, everybody was feeling it, 9-11, you know, know, bullshit, I was there, I wasn't feeling that, I was calling bullshit right then and there. And, And there were plenty of other people who were, you know, realizing the the fallacy and the, the the horrible injustice that was happening while we were scared and mad, and uh, it's it's like we we let every we were actively letting everybody off the hook for just flat out racism, intolerance, and unconstitutional behavior because we were scared. Yo, know, I was scared too, but I wasn't doing that shit, and the. Uh, the argument that both Lindsay was making and the judge gave at the end about, you know, the if if you're going to do something unconstitutional, you better have a good reason, you know, and security and safety. But well, the same arguments were made for the Japanese internment camps, like literally the same arguments were made for that. And we knew better then, and that should have been pointed out clearly. And, uh, you know, somebody should have pointed out you know, trying to protect our country. And, and, and Lindsay's like, I want my son to grow up in this great country, whatever. There's no point in protecting something if it is inherently destroyed by the steps you take to protect it. And that's exactly what they were arguing for. And that's exactly where, what, the, what was happening in the show. And I don't think that that was David E. Kelly's point of view. I don't think David E. Kelly was on board with, with what Lindsay did. But 
I don't think he pushed back nearly as hard. I think he he sort of both sides something that there's no both sides on. And uh and so like I thought that was a little bit irresponsible um on his part for a guy who's not usually irresponsible like that. Uh so all said, yeah, it wasn't a good episode. It was it was kind of uh kind of a sloppy mess with a message that uh, I would say doesn't hold up to scrutiny 21 years, 20 years later. It didn't hold up to scrutiny then. Uh, so I'm going to give it a uh, 5.72. Yeah, I, I don't want to end the conversation just yet. I want to point out, like, I agree with you. It, it, You know, you have a character in Jimmy where his sort of like, I think you could have made a more, uh, you could have made a more interesting dialogue around why he takes that case or something right you know right um and and like you said he kind of both sides it now look you and i are both very liberal people uh, and so generally speaking i think we we enjoy uh, aaron sorkin's a great example because he's unabashed in his sort of idealism and his viewpoint and he's very confident in just putting his viewpoint on the screen you can hate it you can like it but he's gonna say it and here's one of those examples where I feel like sometimes David E. Kelly wants to be that way, but then he feels like, you can call it both sides and get, but he feels like I have to sort of obfuscate it in order to like create a dramatic uh, juxtaposition right. so we can fade out over sad piano. And I think that it, it, it doesn't serve the piece in this case. In this case, it needed somebody stronger than Rebecca's one line in saying, Lindsay, not only is it bullshit that you're arguing this case, it's bullshit that you even took this case. Um, right. And and yeah, so I think our scores no, reflect our feelings. No, and I and I I think to 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 follow up on your point, I think you know part of both sidesing right is this concept that uh, liberal and conservative is about like you know <laughs> point is liberal conservative is about taxes. It's about the role that the government plays in your life. How big should the government be? How intrusive should it be? Regulations and environmental. That, that's liberal conservative. Racism is racism. It's not like, the well, the liberal side is racism is bad, but the conservative side is racism is good. No, I, I'm sorry. There's no, there, there isn't a, there's, no, you know, and bigotry and racism and xenophobia, whatever it is, it's not a liberal conservative thing. It's a racist or not racist thing. And and I think that, you know, that's what I mean by both sides. No, sorry. It's not about I, politics. I, I agree with yeah. you. No, I'm I not saying that to you. I, I'm I saying think it's that a little sad, world. though, and this is not our podcast. I mean, it yeah. is our podcast, so I'm going to say this. I mean, it's not what we're going to delve into, but, like, it is sad to me that we live in a country who currently believes it is. It believes it is that 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 xenophobia is a liberal conservative well, uh, plot and and that is the tool of the you know the white nationalist. It is the tool of the people who are racist to try to justify themselves by tying their horrible beliefs into a political point of view, as opposed to just being despicable. Hmm. So, whew, ah, so L- let's let's uh, <laughs> let's uh, go ahead and un. Earth the uh, the Easter egg <laughs> Our here. Easter egg, Keith. You got it all in there, baby. I don't have to touch this one. I put up a uh, memorial last week to Anton. Um, really tragic that we lost that talent. But um, yeah. here we got it all. We got the American flag. 
All right. This, this is, America. is America. We've got the Black Widow. Yeah. Oh, man. Doing this backwards is making me nauseous. The Plan B. Plan B. And what is the dancing? And what, what dance are they doing? Like they did last summer. The twist again? They're doing the oh, twist. Oh, the twist again. Oh! Let's twist again like we did, we last, did last summer. summer. Can you believe that the twist was so popular? It The song had a sequel. There had was a, a sequel. sequel to the song. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Macarena 2, folks. Well, while you wow. compose Macarena 2 in the back of your head, you have mercifully survived another episode of the Out of Practice podcast. If you would like to contact us and say you guys were absolute uh, shit show today, you can email <laughs> us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on the social medias on Facebook and Instagram at Out of Practice Podcast. While you're there, write us an obituary on Apple Podcasts. And join the jury. We'll be very happy to read it online. The people we are always happy to see include our founding sponsor, Jorge Novoa, Cloud Lover 69, Leanne Rice, Jennifer Masanova, and Ari Poon. Guys, make Keith do some sort of Photoshop on that picture. Get your name up there. You can do so by donating a single dollar or a monthly contribution to our show. Two links in our show notes you can use at any time. Hey, guess what else you could do? Simply like or subscribe on this video helps us out slightly. Even better, watch our other show, deals with Pete's Star Trek toys, and it's growing an audience. Shit show or not, we appreciate you being a part of our audience. Let a friend know that uh, we're in need of some help. (laughs) Go back to seven seasons of our podcast, find one of these better outros that I've done, and just recycle it and listen to it again when I say laser sounds. Laser sounds.